This is Alex Kola, and you are listening to another episode of the Go To Market Mastery Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about personalization at scale with our guest, Jan Mundov. Let's go. If you can't learn how to close, you better start thinking about another career. And I am deadly serious about that. The reason for the call today, John, is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. Hello, hello, Jan. Hello, hello. Alex, perfect to meet you. Uh, you have a real nice energy or you already had fantastic guests. So I was really honored when you reached out to me. I'm super excited to, to discuss today's topic. Um, and yeah, happy to, to realize you're also in Berlin, which uh, I just recognized. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So just for the context, maybe for, for the audience, I reached out to you because I heard a podcast of you, the Deal podcast of Jiri Skiller. Credits to Jiri if you're listening to this. Um, and you talked there about personalization at scale. Yeah. Um, and I found that really, really interesting. And in general, the podcast really interesting. So like uh, a sales professional, I reached out to you and you immediately said yes. And uh, now we're here and we're talking about personalization at scale today. Yeah, a super interesting topic. And uh, I mean, you reached out uh, in, in DACH. We have a small but nice network. So um, when you asked me to, to join this discussion, I was all, f all, uh, all for it. Uh, so thank you again for, for the opportunity and a great project you're driving there. So yeah, let's dive into it. Yeah, amazing. So I would say we just start, as always, in the Go-To Market Mastery podcast by you introducing yourself um, and sharing a bit more about what you do at Pleo and uh, why you work in sales. Yeah, great question. I think uh, to answer with the start with the last question, I, as so many people, I think in our age, I never thought I would be in sales. Um, but we had this little thing called uh, COVID uh, last couple of years. So a lot of lot of us had to pivot their careers into sales. Um, and for me, it was one of the greatest decisions I've ever ma made in hindsight. I started out um, as an SDR, actually as an intern, <laughs> got no commission, but made my way up. Um, was working there um, for, for two years, worked my way up towards yeah senior and then also leading an entire outbound team. And then made my switch over to Plio to just learn how to not only attract and book a meeting, but also uh, take someone completely random uh, and turn it into a happy fan that's actually paying regularly for, for a service. That's why I moved into to, um, Plio as a mid-market account executive. That's what, to answer the second question, that's what I do right now. Um, working a lot with yeah different kind of leads, uh, mainly outbound leads that I take. Uh, try to understand their true pain um, and then decide if we can move them forward or if they're better off with something else um, and then yeah turn them into fans that that like plio and recommend to every everybody else <laughs> that's what i try to do <laughs> yeah amazing and i think you even at your first role you went to intern from intern to team lead in under or around a year is that right yeah, exactly. I was very blessed to have a fantastic manager, uh, Becca. <laughs> she already also went Shout to, to, to Becca. Then. Yeah, Becca, when you hear that, I will send it to you later. <laughs> um, no, she was uh, one of the best managers um, so far. She was very clear on her expectations and um, she always promised me to, uh, to help me get the next step if I deliver on those promises. And I tried really hard to, to reach those targets. And uh, we made it together. Um, so she really 
helped me to uh, yeah understand this this leadership paradigm that we discussed about a lot, which is elevating autonomy. Right, you you try to um, elevate someone in their own total ownership and then help them succeed by themselves and it worked really well for me so I went from uh, intern to to team lead at that time in nine months um, and then had the pleasure to to lead um, a team of around seven outbound reps um, before I then went into a closing role um, mm -hmm. to close some deals <laughs> yeah amazing so um, you mentioned it a bit yeah um, how you approach sales yeah that would be the next stuff so how do you personally and at Pleo in short approach sales yeah um, at Pleo we have a very value-based approach towards sales we are all qualified when you when you join Pleo as a sales rep you go through an enablement program which is called value-based selling meaning that we only can make someone move switch a product if, if the value that they perceive is bigger than the value of doing nothing that is what we try to do um, and it starts by asking really really good questions and only showing the things that are relevant to to a prospect and that's super individual uh, right when i when i started at sales i you know just wanted to show everything we can solve all the different solutions and we have the greatest product and thousands <laughs> of integrations but the more you understand sales it's really about understanding what's relevant, what's what's meaningful towards a person. That's the approach that we take overall at Plio, which is value-based. And then for me personally, the, the approach that I've been living by and uh, preaching a bit is something that I call meaningful <laughs> outreach. So I try to be relevant and I think that's the most important thing, but also personal in every touch point and every interaction there is because that's when you generate meaning. So, so really sense for the customer, but also for yourself um, to find a fulfilling uh, like sense of work. Because in the end, you know, we, we go to work if we, if we feel fulfilled and we go then also to work with a big smile on our faces and then we can deliver. So what I try to do is to, to find meaning in the work that I do. And that's the, how I do it is by, by being relevant and personal in every customer interaction that I have um, at work. Yeah. Um, so being meaning meaningful meaningful being relevant yeah big topic um, and that is really really difficult to do at scale yeah so for that probably you need to be um, or you need to have yeah put in work into accounts and be personalized and that was why I was surprised that you basically said or claimed you were a fan for of personalization at scale so um, building the bridge to the topic um, Could you explain to us what is personalization at scale for those who maybe don't know it yet? I think it's it's a really hard concept because when you first hear it, you think like, all right, I, I insert some personalized triggers and then I just blast it out and then I get a lot of, a lot of answers. The, the reality is that personalization at scale, if you think about it in this way, won't work. But I think you should approach um, your sense of, of when you reach to account that you always try to be personal but especially relevant and relevancy is something that actually beats personalization mm. and a really good framework that i personally learned from kyle coleman uh, probably one of the greatest sdr and outreach guys in the world is something called a power line right it's it's the spectrum of seniority in every account which you can find and you can split every account into people that are above the line and also people that are below the line, 
what does it exactly mean is that people above the line have authority to sign a contract they have authority to make something happen in the, com in the company and below the line are sort of influencers in a deal that will help you like get a deal across they will like when you ask them they will say yeah let's let's go for this provider not the other provider and they're also the end users of, of your product in the end so when you have this account what you do then is that you try to split it up between those people above and below the line mm -hmm. then we have to think about how do we approach them and there you know there's this uh, magical thing called 80 20 split <laughs> there it's actually recommended to spend 80% of your time with all the personalization that you have but especially being relevant on those people that are above the line right those those decision makers it's those gms it's those senior managers where you really try to craft them a story in your sequence that will help you set your part. And yeah, I can use several different touch points, right? We always speak about a multi-channel approach, meaning you need to be good at the phone, you need to be good with videos, you need to be good with LinkedIn, you need to be able to write personalized emails. Now you spend most of your time and really make a one-on-one, like for you, Alex, personally. <laughs> Maybe you listen to a couple of your podcasts before, right? And then try to um, mm. build a message there. So, so that's where we want to spend most of our time because there we can actually make something happen. But we also don't have to forget those <laughs> SDRs, right? That maybe will use our product in the end or those finance managers that we actually sit in a system like Plio. That we will spend 20% of our time um, with a lower degree of personalization, uh, meaning that you can have more generalized um, problem solutions, more generalized lines that you know have been working before, but you don't spend too much of your time, 20% um, on those people. So that's the overall concept that um, like we have been working before I've been uh, yeah, working and still working with um, when I try to approach an account and try to win them yeah, mm -hmm. in, a, in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. That was, I think, a very, very good explanation um, of it. And also maybe to touch again on this 20%, um, me personally, I think that those 20% that are maybe not decision makers, but very, re very relevant to their team leads that are probably above the line. They're great in gathering information for approaching the people above and also mentioning, hey, I just talked to Jessica and your team and she mentioned that this might be an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is how I basically use these people. And yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. it's great. Like, for example, what I, I think I actually got this from another sales rep, um, Charlotte Johnson at Salesloft. Um, we were just saying like, hey, um, Alex, can you help me with, with a challenge from SDR to SDR? And he was like, yeah, of course <laughs> I want to help you. How can I help you? you know, like, and I like, listen, totally honest, you, are, you guys on my, are on my account list. But before I go <laughs> and write an email towards your manager, Alex, can you please help me identifying if this is actually relevant to you and what tools like you're currently working. And then you get those amazing long messages from other SDRs that are trying to help you because they know what struggle you, you're going into. Yeah. Then you can take this information and then go to the decision makers and actually maybe name drop, hey, I spoke to Alex, Frederick, and Peter. They all told me X, Y, and Z. Now we're talking um, and help you break through an account. And Love I've it. been using this and you know, uh, the best the best feeling that I ever had is when then actually the SDRs were, hey, 
writing to me, hey, Jan, just want to congratulate you. We're just sitting in the customer success onboarding call, finally like able to use your product. And, and this works. Uh, but in order to, to like, build this approach, you need to have a framework. You have to have a model on how do you approach that to be able to scale it. Mm -hmm. And this bottom-up approach is really successful, as you um, already mentioned, Alex, and I can yeah. also uh, t testify that it works, especially if you are um, selling from peer-to-peer, -peer, um, yeah. from SDR to SDR. Yeah, love the practical input there. I think this is always the most valuable things in podcasts. But anyways, yeah, so personalization at scale. So I personally see it very, very, very critical because you need to draw the line somewhere to not get lazy, especially when juniors start working with it, yeah, not the line of uh, decision makers, so the line where you use it and where you don't use it, because many people just use it as um, they have 100 leads and they put it in a nurturing sequence and then they just send it and pray to God that they reply, yeah. So what do you think, what does it take to do it successfully, to do personalization at scale really successfully? And where should you draw that line between personalized, meaningful outbound and yeah, nurturing sequences? Yeah, like to, to be very clear, like personalization at scale doesn't work. <laughs> there's personalization and then there's scale, Yeah. right? And you can have personalized elements, meaning that you maybe refer to something what's going on in the company, mm -hmm. um, something what's going on in the account, something that you heard before. Um, you can use that, right? But that's only personalization. And personalization is becoming the standard. If you're not looking at the things that are doing, you they won't even get an open. But where you take the next step and where we're getting those answers, where we're getting those those meetings and, and getting those qualified meetings is where you take the extra step and find something that is relevant to the account that is actually in their language that they mm -hmm. try to solve. It's something that they had in the board meeting and you actually find that same message in the email again. That's when they're going to answer. So personalization is only the first level, but we need to be relevant in this problem statement that we're referring to that they're trying to solve. And that is something that a lot of people, especially junior sales reps, try to do at scale, but the reality is that it won't really work, right? Spraying and praying um, is something that a lot of, like, exactly, it's like, it's being lazy, right? Like, uh, sales is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you, you, you need to work your um, ass off to say it, to see, see results. And if you are, like, reading those G2 reviews and actually using their language, the G2 review is saying, if you're sending this, this personalized video that you made one-on-one to that person, maybe sending it again, maybe sending it to different channels, and then get an answer, that's where the true craft com is coming in, and that's where we're also building this competitive advantage that maybe AI uh, can't do, <laughs> because we have still the personal touch. Um, it's where we need to be. So to answer your question, um, personal scale, personalization at scale, as a buzzword, in my opinion, something that, that won't work. Um, you need to be personal. I think that's that's the yeah. standard. But then adding a layer of relevancy is, is where it, they get uh, we get to mm -hmm. the magic, and that is something which is is really hard to you know put out like in a standardized system towards thousands of accounts. Yeah, 
And I think it's a good thing <laughs> because it, it, it probably means that we still have a job. We still have to think. We still have yeah. to, um, you know, uh, we have a, a reason for existence. Otherwise, we could just replace uh, all of us with uh, AI bots, mm-hmm. um, which sooner or later probably will happen. Uh, but before that, we still <laughs> have, have a, can exist as sales reps. Yeah, amazing. And I think it's really, really important that you claim this, like a full per- personalized automated yeah, sequence at scale, it, it won't work. Yeah, It just won't work. But nonetheless, you can use personalized steps that are automated in your sequence. So maybe you could explain to the audience how you maybe use or how, it, how you build a sequence, sequence where you really have a, okay, this personalization that is really unique, where you have the G2 re- reviews, where you listen to a podcast of the person, but you also maybe have a few steps in there that are maybe automated, uh, maybe just a follow-up step. And how does this look like and how do you mix it up and use it to get uh, the yeah. perfect sales cocktail? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, there's unfortunately no silver bullet that I can can recommend to to everyone. But the things where I've made a lot of mistakes uh, and the things that that work for me is really to have a a sequence. And the sequence is is a set step um, or sequence of different events, of different touch points that are leading towards the goal of booking a meeting. And that's usually um, over around 30 days a month with around 23 touch points. And those different touch points are including emails, are including phone calls, are including LinkedIn touches and also video outreach, right? So that we're really trying, think like a footballer. <laughs> you, you're trying to <laughs> score a goal with, with your head, with your left foot, with your right foot, and maybe even with your back, right? Because you, you are yeah, um, gifted and versed with your skills. And, and there you start with, in, in my opinion, you, you know, the good ways to start with the LinkedIn connect, maybe sending um, a LinkedIn connection over there, then um, an email, then a phone call, and then you sort of have different steps that are referring towards the steps you've said before. To be really practical, what has been working really well for us is to take people that have just changed their job within the last 90 days and then refer towards their last company in comparison to what they do now. That is something that I've gotten from Jed Mahler, great guy. Um, maybe you can get him on the pod, otherwise follow his newsletter, um, where you take the previous job and then copy that to and take this previous job, but also the new job. And the line could be like, hey, Alex, um, so uh, congrats on your first three months um, at X. Um, how does this experience compare towards your stay at X? And then usually what we see is that when sales leaders are coming in and ramping their team, they have X, Y, and Z challenges. Blah, 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 help solving this by blah, 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 blah. Is this relevant to you or hoping for a chat? And there you take those brackets of recent job movers and take the 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 trigger of old company versus new company then you have a really nice sequence that you can use and i've been seeing good success with that because usually people when they come into their new jobs they are excited for change people try to make an impact and nowadays bringing in new tools um Making a process more efficient, making it more cost effective is the way to to impress a board and uh, yeah, make your market a company. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Uh, and actually, I think that's a great approach. Yeah. And what is important to mention, yeah, you're at Pleo, you're selling to finance people. Is that right? Yeah. And for example, I even heard this because you mentioned it on a previous pod and I tried it in recruiting and to sell recruiting and there it didn't work, for example. Yeah. So I think it's, it's really important to not search for the magic silver bullet that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but always test, always iterate, always try new things, always A-B test, yeah? Um, and A-B testing is also a very, very important topic, I would say. So how would you say, do you approach your A-B testing in your sequences? Yeah, I think it's very tempting to, you know, like, like for example, listen to a podcast and they're like, yeah, let's try this trick. And then you 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 immediately think you will book a meeting, right? Yeah. And I've done it before myself. <laughs> and the actual result is that you will probably book less meetings, right? Because you are destroying your sequence, things doesn't really make sense and you are get overly um, excited about change. So what I really can recommend is to make small changes on an existing sequence. Mm. And that is, you know, I don't know which tool you use. There's a sales loft, there's an outreach, there's an Apollo you can use for sequence building. Um, to have the same template, but only change small things, right? It could be changing a CTA, um, and then you let this run through yeah. 50 accounts, right? Like we, we always want to get an answer of the 10 accounts, right? That's, that's not really testing, right? In our old company, it was we weren't allowed to change anything before we had enrolled 100 people through a sequence, right? We also need to be patient with those changes. Otherwise, we, we can't really make, make a suggestion. But... Um, what I want to say is that make small changes and not big changes at a time and a lot because this would actually destroy your rhythm. And remember, you don't have to change the winning systems. If you're booking four meetings a week, you know, be happy about it. Try to, you know, maybe if you book them all through, through email, try to get better on your phone skills, right? Try to work on your weaknesses instead of, you know, fiddling around an email that is working uh, only because you don't want to use the other challenge. So that, that would be my recommendation to make small incremental changes, even though it's extremely tempting um, to follow all those sales tips around the world and to see immediate results because it probably won't work. Yes, never change a winning team, I would say. Um, yeah. But for the audience, maybe, when would you say a campaign is or a sequence is successful. So what are the response rate? What are the meeting booking rates where you would say, hey, this works? Would you just say, okay, better than the recent ones? Yeah, I mean, you, you always have those, your leading indicators, right? That you want to look at. You want to always look at your open rates. You want to look at your, your click rates. You want to look at your reply rates. And then you have something which is called a sentiment. It's positive or negative reply, right? <laughs> a sequence that gives us 100% reply rate, but they all opt out, never call me again. Uh, you are uh, not right to, to email me. It's, it's, looks good on the paper first, but it doesn't really lead, lead to, to anywhere. So for me, I would always try to really go for an open rate and it's difficult um, nowadays way above um, 60 80 um, yeah 60 to 80 percent I'd really aim for that um, and then also yeah and, I mean and, I'm, I'm and incredibly I would say, ambitious <laughs> uh, I, I, I would yeah. say not below 60 I would say 
yeah. yeah i mean then then you're doing something right uh, wrong um and then like aim for a reply rate above above 10 percent. i think that's that's like an average you can look at as an sdr my best performing sequences uh when i was uh working as an sdr they were super laser focused towards a specific icp very tailor-made we had over 90 percent and over 40 percent reply rate and a 20 percent meeting book rate that doesn't happen overnight, right? Yeah. <laughs> it took me like nine months to, to figure it out. But they, they can happen and then you have something that you can stay, scale and operate on. Mm. Um, so re try to niche yourself with specific problems that you solve um, and then you can wait for high reply rates. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's uh, my couple of cents. And uh, what is also, I think, important to mention is that we're talking about mid-market here. And um, I think you were at the company or you were at the company where sales was quite developed. Yeah. So um, probably if your sales team is not that developed and your ICP and industry is not that clear, of course, it's more difficult. Um, so really try to benchmark on these numbers that they're good. But um, if your company is not there from a general sales level, um, don't be worried and just iterate and work harder. Yeah, and, and then it's always, you know, everything you hear here, you have to always ask yourself, how can I apply this into my world, into my SAP, right? Um, I've been selling towards revenue people and now I sell to finance people. They, they are pretty talkative, right? Sales are more talkative, they will answer you. Finance less, but if you sell towards a CTO or a chief digital officer, they might be a bit more tricky uh, to crack. So try to benchmark towards peers, right? Uh, and try to compare yourself. A lot of content that we consume, especially on LinkedIn, is always selling people to, to salespeople, right? Um, so lo look at your peers, look at your um, other SDRs, ask your AEs um, what, what they had as answer rates before, um, before you start to compare randomly above, because that's a bit of a false conclusion that we currently have with all those LinkedIn uh, gurus yeah. <laughs> uh, saying how it's done. And, and we're one of one of them. <laughs> yeah, and then the reality is that that that's it's very very difficult, and you have to work hard and especially smart to to get those results. Yeah, yeah. absolutely important point. So. Another topic that is an important point, yeah. I guess, is yeah. AI. Yeah, you mentioned it yeah. a few times that the yeah. AI might replace us soon. So what do you see is, or how would you say AI is used right and wrong? And what do you think is the future in terms of maybe email and AI or AI in sales in general? Yeah. Like what, what I really try to focus on and is really to still use your common sense and to think critically. And I think that's the beauty that we have. We have our own brains and we have the ability to think before we um, draw a conclusion. And the risk that I see with AI is that I just randomly put something in ChatGPT, take that answer, copy, paste it and send it out without even having a look at it. And I think that's that shouldn't be the way um, it should be used. We still have to question those answers and make common sense about ourselves before we communicate this to a client or prospect, um, whoever. Where is really great is fast research, fast comprehension of information, which we, can be condensed, um, and then 
take this information and, and use it in your outreach, in your proposals, um, in customer conversation to make you to make repetitive tasks faster and help you get space to think, to use your own brain, to, to build out a strategy and be creative. Right. Um, a good example is that in, in my closing calls, <laughs> I, um, I take the logo of the, the company and our logo and put it into ChatGPT and uh, or Midcurve, I think it's called, and try to make a, a common picture. Right. And, and take this, this creative, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, art, artifact <laughs> and yeah. put it on a slide. Just, just to be creative and be like, listen, this, this is how we will work together in the future, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're automating, we automate, right? Um, that is something where the machine has created something new, which is super cool, which is funny, um, but I still have to present it by myself and have to get context and meaning to it um, in my own words and bring my personality. Because in the end, I still believe that people buy from people uh, that they like, that they especially trust and feel listened to. And that is something AI uh, cannot replace, um, but you have to use it in the right way. And if you're also not using it, <laughs> um, then you will lag behind um, and your competitors probably closing that deal or booking that meeting because they used it in a, in a creative and more effective way than you. Mm -hmm. Do you think email has a future? Um, I think it has a future, uh, but you have to use it in, in a way where it still uh, stays relevant. Right? If you, you're still blasting out those uh, personalization at scale emails, then, then it hasn't. <laughs> right? But yeah. it's, if it's used for congratulating your prospect on the, the signing of, uh, of, of, the, of the next deal that they could do through your product, then it probably has, has a chance. Um, you have to, we have to adapt in, in the right way um, and just keeping the things that we do right now is probably not the right way, but if everybody's going into one direction, you know, we maybe have to go into the other one. We have a big revival of uh, direct mail right now. Everybody's mm -hmm. spamming the email. So we said in our marketing department, let's write a letter, mm -hmm. right? Because personalized we are letter. Not, yeah, personalized letter, handwritten for me, Ooh. because we are probably only competing against a letter from the post, <laughs> but I'm competing against 20 different emails um, from 20 different competitors, right? So there is a way, but you have to be creative with it and, and use your brain to, to find a way to go through it. Does lettering work? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you get then a picture of, uh, of the customer, hey, you, you wrote the letter to me. Um, uh, I had I've been closing deals by by sending out uh, some uh, cookies that we made for Christmas, <laughs> um, you know, uh, with with a handwritten uh, note. Hey, um, you know, we've been seeing you've been following our webinar series. Here's a quick uh, Christmas gift for you. You know, uh, of course we we're not bribing anyone, but in a, in a small and cute way, uh, this works because Man. in the end. I you wish still. I was your pro prospect. <laughs> yeah, if you if you <laughs> you want to automate your finances, we definitely can talk. But the the point that I try to make is that we will always have tools, and they can make us better and faster. But I still believe that they can take our personality out of us. They can take our creativity, and they can take the human touch away. Um, this yeah. is at least my uh, naive belief that I uh, I still have. <laughs> yeah. So. I probably already know the answer to your next to my next question yeah. because you made it 
uh, you made a LinkedIn post out of it recently. <laughs> I so, did. Yeah, That's you great. did. Um, so <laughs> what would you recommend to reps who are just starting out in sales? Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a was a great question that I had, and <laughs> maybe indicates that I'm getting older because I still feel like an SDR in my first day. Um, but the the biggest point that I would really try to focus on is to to not compensate your your, your private life, your your like physical activities, um, towards your role. Right, I think especially in, in sales, especially as as an SDR, as, as you're coming in, you set yourself incredibly high expectations. You want to hit your target. You want to, you know, crush it, make a lot of money, and become a LinkedIn famous, uh, you know, jack jack of all trade knife. But the reality is that um, we are not in heart surgery. <laughs> we are not. Yeah. We're not. We're not changing the world. You know, if they book the meeting, they book the meeting. Um, if they book the meeting this month, great. If they book it the next month, the won't, world won't fall apart. So that is something I had to learn the hard way when I, uh, for way too long time, went stressed around and wasn't myself. So really, you know, don't be that person that is not going to uh, after works or parties or not going to sports um, only because you try to hit your number. Work hard. Um, you know, you have to hit your number. You have to do everything you can in your own hands. But... You have done all your inputs, um, then it will probably happen, and you have done, and you can finish your work day uh, hopefully with a big smile on your face. Um, but don't let this compromise on your uh, private life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. I think that's uh, a great last word. So my last question would be: um, Where can people reach you, and what does the future for you? hold yeah you have a lot of projects going on i see on linkedin so um what is going there i mean always happy to uh, connect on linkedin this is like my my channel where i try to connect with reps um, i would really love uh, to receive a video from you because <laughs> i love video and i've i think i've in the three years of sales now i have only received two uh, videos um that is that is a cool way or voice note um, because i love to listen those to those um and if I don't answer uh, right again, <laughs> um, you know, uh, we, you have to um, stay persistent. I'm always happy to help, but I'm also a full-time rep, just like you, trying to hit a number, <laughs> trying to uh, hit my forecast, trying to make my manager happy. That's where you can find me. I'm always happy to help out if, if I can. Um, and then what the future holds, I think um, the immediate future is very interesting because we uh, have a cool project with SDRs of Germany is going on where we will be launching different master classes which is super exciting if you're new to sales um, SDRs of Germany has gathered all the, all the expertise there is in Germany and has produced master classes where you can learn about cold calling about running a podcast about being more creative how to be more meaningful in your outreach and then we'll see what the future holds. You never know when I've learned one thing in my life, you can't plan, <laughs> just happens. <laughs> and you have to enjoy it every minute. So um, that's why I try to focus on and connect with cool people like you, Alex. Um, so that's that's the plan. <laughs> Credits to SDRs of Germany, great community. Check them out, free advertisement if you're starting out on sales, in, especially in the DACH region. Uh, I think a great thing to, to do, to join, to connect. And uh, yeah, other than that, thank you so much. Jan for the podcast and uh, looking forward to see what your further journey got for you. Likewise. Thank you so much, bro. Bye.